0: Welcome everyone to our March Madness series. For the next five days, we are interviewing everyday runners who set big goals, put in the work, and change their lives by overcoming the impossible. Not only are their stories inspiring, but you are going to learn something from each and every one of them.
1: We can't wait for you to hear this, and we have a big goal this week that we want you to be a part of. We've set the goal of being the number one streamed running podcast in the world this week, so please share these episodes with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever it may be, so we can celebrate together the growth of this beautiful running community.
0: So friends, let's jump in. It's the final episode of our March Madness series. Guys, if you're still with us, we seriously applaud you. Um, Thank you for being here. It means so much to us, and we really hope that you're feeling inspired and that you've learned a few things along the way from these absolutely incredible runners. Today, our guest is the one and only Natalie Hammond. After having three kids and looking to get in shape, she found running through a group of friends that couldn't stop talking about running. Sounds like all of us. (laughs) She quickly found the formula to running fast and was soon on her way to qualifying for Boston. She has since run Boston eight times. Yes, you heard that correct. Eight times. And her very first Boston experience was during the bombings. Despite experiencing the unimaginable trauma, she talks about the mental debate she had about whether or not she should go back out the following year. And guess what, friends? She did. Now, selfishly, Harrison and I trained for a downhill marathon and we wanted to ask Natalie all about running those types of races. So she graciously shared some tips and tricks to train for a successful downhill race. So friends, are you ready for all of this knowledge? Here she is, Natalie Hammond.
1: All right, we're here with Natalie Hammond. Natalie, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Is this your first podcast ever?
2: Yes, it is. (laughs) Well.
1: (laughs) This is going to be an exciting ride for you. I can already feel it. So I'm
2: excited. I was a little hesitant. And then my 16-year-old guilted me and said that that would be his dream come true is to ever be on a podcast. I'm doing it for him.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, that's awesome. We'll bring him on. We can can have him get a a son's perspective of uh, what it's like to have his mom be a crazy runner running all these marathons. Yes. Well, so Natalie, we got connected through a good friend of mine named Billy. He is not my dentist because my other best friend is a dentist, so (laughs) I can't have two dentists. But he's my neighbor, so he wins in in that aspect. But Billy and I and Mo, we're all going to go up to Utah and run this marathon. And you're running the same marathon, but you're running the day after us.
2: Yes, that's right. I know. I was so excited to tell Billy about it, and then by the time I let him know the day i was doing it was already sold out so i was just happy you guys got all got in though
1: yeah i i didn't think we would because they they seemed like they were selling out pretty quickly so the good yeah. news is we get to tell you like if there's any potholes and then you get to go right. the day after and <laughs>
2: exactly <laughs>
1: to warn you <laughs> and plus you can uh look at look at our times and be like oh yeah i've got them beat <laughs> although you would beat us regardless anyways because you're way faster than both no, of us no not true based on what billy's told me so um <laughs> Well, Natalie, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how you got into running.
2: Yeah. So it's actually kind of funny. And uh, my family likes to make fun of me because I hated running. And um, I ended up like I had kids young. So I had my first son at 20, my second one at 23, and my third son at 25. And I wasn't really into anything that physical, um, or I did like athletics in school, but nothing since that. And when I had my third son, we moved into a neighborhood and there was this group of girls that were all into running. And one night, like they were just, they'd ran a half marathon and we were all doing like a girl's night out. And I went to the little dinner with them and they were all talking about their race and talking about how awesome it was. And I kind of just sat there and felt like, An outsider, like I was like, okay, like all they're talking about is running and I cannot relate to this at all. And so I kind of left there just like, okay, like maybe I need to get into running. Like I need something for myself. I need to get away from the kids sometimes and have like a little break. So I kind of reached out to one of the girls that was kind of the ringleader of all of them. And I just told her, like, hey, I think I want to start running. I'm thinking about doing a half marathon. And she was just so awesome. And she put together a little training plan for me and i just started running and i mean the first time i went out there i think i ran maybe a half of a mile and i came back home and was like dying and i was in like these flat puma shoes was the only shoes i had in my closet and anyways it was kind of a joke that like i had no idea what i was doing so i finally went and got like the right shoes and you know got a good training plan and i went and ran the half and i had never even wore like a watch or anything like i really just didn't even care like i was just doing you know the miles and i finished my first half and i ended up finishing third in my age group and my friend was just like natalie like you're fast and i was like oh i am like i have no idea you know and so she's kind of the first one that kind of said like i think you could qualify for the boston marathon if you actually trained you know and I just, I, I seriously was like, what's Boston? I didn't even know anything about that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so it was kind of just this group of girls that I lived by that got me into it.
1: So you kind of fell in through peer pressure. Totally. You, you were kind of an outsider. <laughs> so, but it sounds like you were just a natural at it. Were you an athlete growing up?
2: I mean, I played softball, basketball, volleyball, but only through ninth grade. I didn't really do a whole lot in high school. Um, but yeah, weirdly, like I'm not fast when it comes to like sprinting, but I, for some reason with endurance, I can hold a pretty good pace for a long time.
1: Yeah. So you did the half marathon and then at what point did you decide to step it up to a marathon? Did, did it take very long after that?
2: Honestly, it was funny because when I finished the half, I remember thinking to myself, like, there is no way anyone could ever convince me to like turn around and run that same distance back, like, you know, for, to make <laughs> yeah. the full, yeah. I 100% was like, no way. And then it took me about two weeks and then I started training for a full.
1: <laughs> really? Yes. And was that your, so I, I assume the half was your very first race ever, right?
2: It was ever, ever, ever. Yep
1: and then the the marathon was your second race ever
2: yeah i i went right into a marathon and this can kind of go hand in hand with some of the things we talk about later once we talk about some downhill stuff but um i definitely learned a lot that first marathon and i did not qualify for boston my first marathon and i did not qualify my second marathon but i did finally qualify on my third marathon and then ever since I've been able to run it, you know, every year since that. So I've ran Boston eight years in a row now. Wow. And, um, yeah, I think you just learn, you know, each, each race you kind of learn and then you grow and do something better the next one and just kind of yeah. keep getting better and better.
1: Does it get any easier as you go on or do you find that as you get older and as time passes that you, you have to put in more work to continue to qualify?
2: Yeah, I would say for me it it gets easier. I just think your body is such an amazing machine. Like your body just has such good muscle memory and I still think the my first marathon was like the hardest. It just, you know, like you just don't really know what to expect. And so then once you do it, you're like, okay, like now I know how that feels. Now I know like where, you know, I could train better. Um, You just learn so much about your nutrition and water and just, oh my gosh, you learn so much. And so I think every marathon honestly has gotten easier and easier and your body just remembers easier. And I, but I will say now that it's been almost 10 years, I will say now it's starting to kind of catch up to me a little bit. Things that I used to get away with even five years ago. I'm not getting away with now. And so now my focus is like actually running less, um, and like cross training more. And that is yeah. working better for my body at this point, you know? Sure.
1: That's a, that's a common theme that we hear when we talk to a lot of runners yeah. is uh, that they, that once they really learn and they build the endurance, they, they can kind of get by on less mileage and, and more cross training, really? like you said, in strength training.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Super,
1: super exciting to hear, but you know, People are going to hear this and they're going to say, well, she's just a natural and and I'm not and and I don't have it in me. I, I have three kids just like she does, but, you know, she was already fast and I'm not. So what would you say to someone like that in, in those shoes?
2: I totally disagree. I, you know, I think like so many people have, you know, come to me and been like, oh, I could never do that. Or, you know, anytime like I'm just talking to friends and, oh, I ran 16 miles this morning or whatever, you know and people that haven't ever done it they're just like so like oh my gosh i could never do that and i like genuinely believe that anybody can do it i really really do and it's just doing it like i just think you're saying that you can't do it because you don't want to or you don't think you can but like it literally i know it's so stupid to say but it really is just one mile at a time and like I remember the first half marathon when four miles was far for me. Like I remember getting to the four mile, you know, after running a mile and then two miles. And I just remember thinking four miles, like that's the whole loop around my whole neighborhood. Like, I can't believe that. And then the next week it's six and then it's eight. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden you're doing 13 or 26 and It really is just putting your mind to it, deciding to commit to it and just logging the miles. Like that's like my favorite of all time is just, just log the miles. Like that's all it takes is just doing it. And sure, there are some people that are naturally going to be a little faster and there's some people that it's going to take a little bit more work to get faster. But anyone I've ever known that has started running has always like eventually gotten faster from where they've started. And so, you know, you just don't compare to other people's paces because there's people way faster than me, sure. but I'm not going to not run just because there's people faster than me, you know.
1: I love that. I think that's a, a quote that will stand out from this interview is I'm not going to stop running just because there's someone faster and and I think that applies at all levels. There's so many people who like you said are going to be slower than you and then also are going to be faster. So you yep. you're probably somewhere probably on the faster end but still in the middle somewhere.
2: Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, I follow people that are way faster than me. And, um, so it makes me feel like just a normal person and, but that's okay. Like to me, like race day is like against myself and it's my goals, my pace, my time. Like I have a little bracelet that I wear that says, run your own race. And that's probably one of my favorite quotes too, because it's running your own race. It's not running against the person in front of you. It's not running against your friend that just ran one the week before you. It's running your own race. And I think that is like such, you know, a good way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And time doesn't really matter. All it is, is it's a way for us to benchmark, you know, uh, how, how can we improve ourselves? Right. Exactly. Because distance is also another way to benchmark. But once you kind of already conquered the marathon, it's like, okay, unless I start running 50 milers or 100 milers, like I'm already kind of there. Like now let's start improving in something else. Yeah. And that that's life in general, right? We we always want to be improving in everything that we do. And exactly. so, you know, this topic of time comes up and yeah, it's, it's not that running fast is everything, but it's more like you said, running your own race, comparing yourself uh, against yourself and figuring out how you can then improve your own times and and improve yourself along the way.
2: Yep, absolutely. I love that.
1: Yeah. So I I think, you know, one of the benefits of having someone like you who's run a bunch of marathons, who's run Boston eight times in a row, is you've got experience that a lot of beginners don't have. And so then you can teach us a lot of things that you learned along the way. Yeah. So you've run Boston eight times. And Billy told me that you were actually present when um, the bombing happened.
2: Yeah, so that was actually my very first year and um so we we went uh, me and my husband and I had my in-laws there and just before the bombing obviously just the first experience in Boston was absolutely like life-changing like it was just such an amazing day. It was beautiful weather. Like that's actually still my favorite race day in Boston. Like that's my fastest time that I ran in that course. And I just had, like, an amazing day. Like, I felt phenomenal the entire day. Like, you know, a lot of times, you know, you kind of get tired, like, mile 24 or 22. But I genuinely, like, finished the marathon and was like, I can run 10 miles more. Like, I just felt so good. I was on this high of, like, just the energy and just the whole thing. And so I finished. And, you know, there's so many people. So it takes takes a while to kind of get through like once you go through the finish line get your stuff and I walked about a block away because we kind of had a little meeting area where I was going to meet my husband and my in-laws and back then like I didn't even run with my phone and so I didn't have like any anything on me to communicate with anybody and so um, I was about a block away from the finish line when the first bomb went off and so I heard it But, you know, you're in a big city, you have 30,000 runners, a million spectators, like there's going to be loud noises. So it didn't really like, I didn't really know what it was at first. And so I just kind of stood there still kind of waiting for, you know, somebody to show up to meet me there. And then the second one went off. And by then, it was kind of like, okay, that is weird, you know, like something's going on. And within about five minutes, probably probably within two minutes, there was like sirens, you know, police cars, uh, fire trucks, people kind of I could tell people were like on their phone and they were like just their faces were like shocked. And like they started like running and anyways, it was just pure chaos. And so I ended up. Walking away, um, towards uh, away from the finish line, and I started like hearing people just say like, "There was two bombs at the finish line," and kind of just started getting wind of what happened. And, anyways, long story short, it was very scary. I finally met up with my family. It took about an hour before I, me and my husband, found each other because it was just like they said they shut off cell service for a little bit, and oh yeah, like I said, I didn't even have a phone, and so. It was actually, like, super cool how we all kind of ended up finding each other. But um, definitely traumatic. I definitely left Boston thinking I'm never coming back. But I'm so glad I did because the next year was also, like, a very powerful year. There was just such an energy of people just saying, like, hey, we we got this. We're Boston strong. Like, we're going to do this. We're not going to let those guys stop us from living our lives. So it was. It ended up being a really cool experience the next year, but um. But yeah, it was definitely a traumatic way to have oh, your first man. Boston experience.
1: <laughs> I I can only imagine. That's I got chills when you were explaining that story. I I my wife and I lived in Boston almost five years, and so oh cool, we, we loved it there. And I uh, love Boston.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how how long did you finish before the bomb went off?
2: Luckily, I was about. Um, I think I was about 35 minutes before, but that year 10 of us went from Meridian Idaho. Like oh. like all my friends went that year and uh, nine of us had finished, but we had one friend that was running with a blind person and oh. she was not done. And so that was also really scary. We were all trying to figure out like where she was and she was about a mile away from finishing And her story is really crazy because here she is running with a blind person being a lead, and she said all of a sudden they're running at mile twenty-five, and people are running the opposite direction. People started turning around and running backwards, and they were just like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And they all had to like congregate at like a park until they, you know, got word that they could keep moving. And so that was really scary, just wondering where all of our friends were and if they were all safe and. Yeah, it was definitely pretty scary.
1: So not that it really matters, but what happened to people who didn't finish the marathon?
2: So um, the next day, they let you go and pick up like your medal and they had like this cute little finish line that they had kind of made up in this like church building. And you could go pick up your bag and your medal and kind of get a picture by this finish line. But then we ended up going home and the 10 of us, we drew out this big finish line and we went to my friend's neighborhood and we put it in the street. We all had our Boston shirts on and we ran around the block and ran through the finish line with her. So that was really cool. Um, Really sweet. Like her husband kind of had planned the whole thing. Um, So yeah, we just kind of made our own little finish line at home.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's such a touching story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. One of the things that we wanted to talk to you about besides all of your Boston experience is, uh, your downhill running experience because you live up in the mountains, right? Living in Idaho Mm -hmm. and Mo and I live here in Arizona, which is pretty flat and the elevation is not very high. Um, and we're going to be running a a marathon. Obviously the one that you're running out in, is it, how do you say it? Wasatch? Wasatch?
2: Yeah. Wasatch. Wasatch. Wasatch, (laughs) We've been
1: saying it wrong this whole time. No, you're good. so I we're going to be doing that. That's how you that. say it, I guess. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, sure. and and selfishly, I want to learn about this topic, but I do think that it's a topic that there's very little information on. I I I did some YouTube searches trying to find some info on how to run downhill, how to train. There really wasn't a lot of good content, and so I figured let's bring on somebody who's an expert in this field, <laughs> who you know has run some downhill marathons and has qualified, you know, or has has had some fast time. So that makes you. Totally qualified to to do this. So, let's start with the training. Um, how How do you go about if you live in a place like where we do, where it's flat and, and the elevation isn't high? How do you go about training for a, a downhill marathon?
2: Yeah, it is. It is definitely a little bit tricky, and even here in Idaho, we definitely have mountains, but like you have to kind of drive to them, and so it's not super easy um, to do sometimes, but. I think that the best advice is, I mean, obviously you want to train your body to run downhill for a a large amount of time, you know, without totally beating yourself up because we all know running downhill can be pretty hard on your body. And so I never do like my full long run on a downhill, but we do try to do a couple of downhill runs and what we'll do is either drive up maybe 10 miles up one of our mountains and we'll park a car down at the bottom park one at the top and we'll run down 10 and then we'll try to like finish maybe eight flat or you know how if it's a 16 mile run we'll do six flat okay. because i do i think the hardest thing about downhill marathons is you feel so good and so people just you know, start running really fast down the mountain. And you feel amazing. And so you're just on cloud nine. And you're like, Oh, my gosh, I'm gonna, you know, do this 20 minutes faster than I thought I was gonna do it. And then as soon as you hit anything flat, it's like this rude awakening of like, Oh, my gosh, now flat feels like I'm climbing up a mountain, you know, yeah. And yeah. so just training your body to be able to go from the down to flat is really really important. And um and if you don't have something like that, I just think either finding a way to do some type of intervals where if even if you had, you know, a half of a mile of a downhill to do, you know, where you run down and then you run back up and then you run down and you run back up and you yeah. kind of create, you know, a plan. One week maybe you do 8 of those, the next week maybe you do 10 of those and just kind of do somewhat of hill repeats but going downhill. And the good thing too about that is is running uphill is also like if you can find any type of hills, running uphill is also going to help with your downhill, which kind of seems weird, but you're going to strengthen your hamstrings, you're going to strengthen those muscles on the backside that are going to be stronger for you when you go downhill because it's so quad heavy when you're going down that if you have stronger hamstrings to kind of help, you're going to be way better off. Um, Another trick maybe, I don't know if you guys do very much treadmill work or not, but I don't know if all treadmills let you do um, a decline, but even if you could do some type of a decline on a treadmill. And get some of that, um, training on a treadmill. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a little bit tricky. I'm not going to lie. If you guys don't have a ton of downhill places, then I would say the shorter intervals is probably going to be your best bet is to, is to just, you know, get your body used to just going downhill, strengthening your quads, strengthening sure. your calves, those ligaments in your ankles and knees. And cause those are what kind of gets beat up when you're going downhill. Yeah.
1: What about something like bleachers at a at a high school stadium, like running down that Yeah, Does that help I like at that all?
2: idea a lot, actually. I have never personally done that, but I think that's a great idea because that's kind of that same and it is also gonna kind of teach you form because you're gonna have to stay upright, you know, to get down the bleacher safely. Um, maybe with a little bit of a lean forward. But I think yeah. that's a really good idea. Um, I think just finding anything that's going to give you that same, you know, feeling of going down is going to definitely help. And I sure. and I just think strength training as well is going to be huge to build up your quads, you know, any type of strength training that you can do some banded work. Um, but just the more muscle strength you have and su- to support like your knees and ankles, I think you're just not going to feel it as much as people that just think I'm just going to go show up at this downhill course and run really fast without training for it. You know, like it's definitely, people can definitely run these faster. And I love downhill courses. Um, so I, I, anytime people ask me about them, I'm like, yes, like go try it. But I do think just knowing that you do need to prepare for it by training your body to run downhill strength training, you know, again, being in the right shoes probably more padding than normal. Like some people will run, like, you know, they'll train in like a more padded shoe. And then on race, day, they don't want a heavy shoe so yeah, a go wider. Yeah. But I personally think on the downhill course, the padding is more beneficial than having a lighter shoe because you just want that oh, extra wow. cushion so that you don't hurt yourself.
1: Yeah. No, this is fantastic advice. And I think a lot of people, when they look at Downhill races, they're like, oh, it's it's a walk in the park, like you said, and, or it's cheating. It's not, it's not a real marathon, you know, and, and I just don't think that's the case because you've got, like you said, all the added tension and, and, uh, pressure on your, on your joints when you're going downhill for that continued, for that extended period of time. And then, of course, the elevation as well. Yes.
2: And usually with any downhill course, you're also going to realize that there's going to be a couple uphills too. Like I, um, there's always, a couple of hills that kind of throw you off. You're like, wait a second. I thought this was a downhill course, you know? <laughs> so I do yeah. think always training some type of, um, hilly rolling hills. Um, if you can find some, because yeah. usually mountain, in, when you're in the mountains, it's not all just downhill. Like you definitely have some rolling hills and, um, this is a little bit different th- than training, but the actual race day, I think the biggest mistake people make, this kind of goes with, any marathon but especially downhill the biggest mistake is people go way faster than they should at the beginning and then by a mile 18 they're so toasted that it's like they end up walking or they end up slowing down way more and so again for my advice for like the first 18 miles I would say whatever your goal pace is let's say your goal is to run an 830 you know that's i think that gives you what like a 345 marathon yeah, if i remember yeah. um if that's your goal there's no reason you should be running a 730 down that mountain you should <laughs> okay. stay within 30 seconds of your goal okay. pace even if you feel amazing like even if right. you're like oh, but I need to take advantage of the downhill. And yeah. I promise you'll pay for it in the end. So just, you kind of have to hold back. You really do. You have to hold back a little bit and you just have to know that like taking a step back and going a little slower at the beginning is going to help you at the end.
1: So you you think maybe about 30 seconds uh, at the faster most. than the normal? I would say
2: 30 seconds at the most, Um, probably 15 to 20 ideally but I even I myself i I'm saying that advice, but you you do you get the adrenaline and oh, yeah. it feels so good, and so you know and and I always say too, like the first four or five miles, you're kind of just getting that adrenaline out, so maybe yeah. you're a little faster those first four or five miles, but then you settle in, try to stay within fifteen to twenty seconds of your goal pace time. And just settle in, you know, um, yeah. get that adrenaline out. Those first couple of miles, go a little faster if you want to, but not like a minute per mile faster. That's a horrible idea.
1: Sure. <laughs> so, so why is that though? Is it because your muscles are working harder because yeah, you're running faster than what you're they're conditioned to do?
2: Yep, it is. I mean, that's a minute per mile faster is like a huge difference. And so, yeah. if you have never trained your body at that pace. Can you imagine trying to hold that for 26 miles? Like, there's just no way. And so yeah. um, it's, and and the good news about that too, and you'll, you know, you'll learn each marathon, but like, let's say you've been training at a nine minute mile, but your goal's an 830 on race day, because you really do usually run faster on a race day than your training pace because of the adrenaline, because of the, your body's recovered. It's already done all the hard work you've tapered, right? um and so it's okay to run a little bit faster than than what you've trained at but like anything way more than that they always just say like if you do that in the first half you it adds like way more time to your second half and i think another really good piece of advice that i got from my friend that ran a ton of marathons before me is she always says the race starts at mile 20 so yeah. even if you're feeling good at 16 17 it's like the race hasn't even begun yet. Like the race thing is at mile 20 because that's when you've already, you know, you're tired, your body is screaming at you. And that's kind of where you have to just start going to your mental place and just like, get it done.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about on race day, proper form for running downhill that the, in doing my research and looking at a bunch of YouTube videos, the number one thing that I pulled out of it was, um, don't lean back would you agree with that right
2: one hundred percent you should have a little slight lean forward um I mean honestly, besides that, I feel like it's really hard to explain until you feel it, but you just almost have to kind of lean into it a little bit and just kind of let it let it take you down but um yeah if you go yeah leaning back is is definitely gonna cause a lot of lower back pain and so that's really the only thing like as far as form that I can really think of off the top of my head without it just feeling kind of natural to just lean into the hill and kind of just let it naturally just kind of take you down. Like don't fight it, you know? Yeah. And I think you can do that and still keep a good, you know, kind of still control your pace.
1: Okay. Cause I, I went out with, I went out with Billy this weekend and we, we, we did, we found a hill me and, and my wife, Mo, and, and Billy, we went out and we found a, a hill that's not too far from us and we parked oh, our car there and we we started running downhill. And I, I definitely know what you're talking about. Like, I just tried to let my legs naturally flow downhill, but I was going too fast. And he's like, hey, you're going too fast. Right. I'm like, but this feels good. Like, feels I'm not so even good. trying to go fast. <laughs> so how do you contain that? You know, like, how do you rein that back without pumping the brakes? Because then if you do that, you're you're also wasting a lot of energy too, right? Right,
2: right. Well, the reality too is, um, I haven't ran this specific one that we're all going to do in May, but they're all pretty similar. There's the, the revels, especially, um, the downhill is pretty like dramatic at the beginning and then it eventually kind of like equals out a little bit. And so, like I said, if those first five miles are like extremely down, and you're feeling okay, maybe you kind of lean into it and you just kind of go, but just remember to like kind of reel it back in once you settle sure. into that, you know, mile five to like 18 or five to 20. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll see that you can control it. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I guess I don't have like the best advice for that. Besides no, just- That's solid. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's really good. And, and what you said too about the, the last six miles or so, I mean, I think that's so important because when it comes to, let, let's just say you were able to shave off 10, 15, 20 seconds the first 18 miles, but then you hit the wall really hard around mile 20, and now you're walking and you're going two to three minutes slower per mile, right. then, it, then it didn't really matter, right? Right. And, totally. and so I totally agree with what you're saying, and, and that takes a lot of discipline.
2: It does. And I've learned the hard way. I, I missed qualifying Boston. My second marathon was a downhill course. It was Pocatello Marathon. I needed a 340 to qualify at that time. And the first 13 miles are down. And then the last 13 are kind of flat, sort of rolling. I felt so amazing. I cruised down. I'm like on this high, like, I'm going to qualify. Like, I got this. I'm like 10 minutes ahead of my pace. Um. At the halfway point, I was ten minutes ahead of where I needed to be. Well, I got to mile twenty-two, and I was like, "Okay, like this is hard." And you know, and long story short, I missed it by two minutes. And I'm like crying the last mile, like run walking, just thinking to myself, like, if I can just run, like I'm I'm still close, you know. But I I just couldn't. Like I literally could not done. <laughs> run anymore. So I ran, yeah. walked it, missed it by two minutes, and then. And then I learned my lesson. I was like, okay, I do not need to be 10 minutes faster than where I needed to be. You know, within maybe five minutes is okay, but 10 is just, it's too much. And the good thing about learning that lesson is when I did Boston, the year of the bombs, I think that was only my fourth marathon. Maybe I can't remember if it was my third or fourth. But like I said, I finished that race and I feel like I could have ran 10 more miles. So I. I might have held back a little too much, but I would sure. way rather finish a race yeah. wanting to like sprint through that finish line than mm. crawling through, you know, and I've done yeah. both, you know? Yeah. Um, so even if you reserve energy and you feel phenomenal, those last six miles, I will take that, you know, like yeah. I'd rather feel awesome than, you know, horrible.
1: <laughs> Very well said. Yeah. I've, I've actually never had anyone really explain it that way. So that's that's awesome. And I, I think that's so valuable. Oh, well, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And tell your son, hey, if he wants to start a podcast, I can literally <laughs> show him the way.
2: So, that would be awesome. He's way into like filming YouTube videos and like he's got the microphone and stuff for the podcast and he's just a funny kid, super creative. There you go. So I always tell him, I'm like, you need to start your own. That'd be awesome. So
1: yeah, have him give me a call. Well, thanks sure. again. We really appreciate it. And we hope you have an awesome night. I know it's late over there, so we'll awesome. let you get to Thank bed. you. And
2: good luck on your race. And hopefully we'll hear all about it here in the next
0: month.
1: Sounds good. Okay. Hopefully we thank see you out you. there in Utah. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Follow us on Instagram at crummy marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this funny journey with us.
1: Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K.